Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. Sadly, after many years with us, Ralph decided it was time to retire. Now, as many of you will know, Ralph has had quite a unique passage through dentistry and as a parting gift, he very kindly agreed to share with us some of the lessons he's learned over his 50-year relationship with dentistry. So thank you so much, Ralph, first of all, for giving us this time. You're most welcome. Um, 50 years, Ralph, that's an extraordinary milestone. Mm. Could you start by telling us a little about where it began, your first job, for example? Well, thanks, Emmeline, for the invitation. Um, I basically graduated from dentistry in 1974, December Gosh. 1974, um, and I was on a government, state government scholarship uh, for my undergraduate years. So I was duty-bound to um, uh, basically work in a rural clinic, um, which I did, and um, basically I was posted um, to build a wheel up in central Queensland. And, Had you uh, been there before? No. No, <laughs> look, I was a city boy. And uh, basically, this was a bit of a shock to me um, <laughs> in many regards. Um, I, I had an itinerant service, so I didn't only work in Billawila. I worked at Baralaba, which, you know, was near to Warabinda Mission Station, uh, Mara, which is a mining town, and Theodore, which was, in those days, just your classic sort of cattle area. Um, you know, the world was different. Um, essentially, there was no welcome committee. Um, I was just told <laughs> I graduated in December. January, basically, um, I, I, I fronted up. Um, no one there to meet you. Um, basically just told to find lodgings, which I did in the local pub, and then to report to work on Monday uh, at the hospital. And then to my surprise, I arrived the first thing on Monday morning with my nice clean white coat to be told, oh, no, your dental teen's out at Baralabar. <laughs> right. How do I get there? So I've got a mud map and essentially it's all dirt roads out there and somehow I managed to find my way out to Baralaba. So, I mean, I think in that, you know, it's, it, it was a, a very, I think, demanding uh, entry into, into dentistry as a new graduate. Um, I, you know, at times was overwhelmed with the, um, the demand for services out there. And you've got to remember, this was in the middle of the drought years. The 1970s was a really cruel time. Uh, for farmers and I guess one one of my first lessons was not to assume just because you live in the country you're not medicated and to my surprise um, there was a high suicide rate out there because times were tough Um, and people largely um, were on a lot of medications to actually get through so you know the life of the, the the country dentist was very demanding much less if you were the local doctor um, and, and really it was never ending um, what you actually had to, you know, try and get through in a day's job. And remember, I was only there for a, a week and so it was a travelling roadshow. Gosh. Did you have a technician there to make dentures and, or did you have to get that back to the city? That How was that my work? team, yeah, my team. I mean, I, 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 was, I was quite chuffed when I was told uh, by the, the state director you're going to be the dentist in charge. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's pretty impressive, you know, brand-new grad dentist in charge. Well, 
you know, and there were no other dentists, obviously. Um, but I did have a dental technician and uh, and had a dental assistant who you know, travelled on the road with me. So from a denture perspective, and again, this was again not how I was taught to basically do uh, dentures, um, because essentially everything had to be done in the space of four days. Gosh. So your technician becomes, you know, a, a, an invaluable member so that you can get through that and often work, you know, through the night to, to do varying stages. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, dare I say it, um, you, you, you had to be a reasonably confident and accomplished dentist to work well in, in those sort of isolated areas. I have to say when I arrived, um, I wasn't. You were a recent graduate, so I was you were a brand new graduate at the level. Absolutely, um, I had to get used to doing stand-up dentistry. You know, I'd been sport at, at university, um, so so in that sense, um, you know, it, it isn't easy. Um, and I don't—they certainly don't do things that way now. Um, there's obviously a far better selection process than bunging brand new grads out, <laughs> putting them up in the pub. And yeah. I can imagine travels with pressure cooker. Because you would have had to, wouldn't you, as a denture, to be able to invest and, and process the dentures. You would have had all sorts of magical things coming out the boot of your car. Yeah. Or was it saddlebags? Yeah. Can I imagine you riding? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, I think, you know, that that is, this is, you know, just total, you know, it, it's, it seems strange to talk about this. But, I mean, I, I had a hitching rail outside my dental clinic at Baralabar because, you know, it was all black soil country. Uh, once it rains out there, nothing can move. So Gosh. it was either a tractor or you came in by horseback. Um, and I always remember the sign outside that said, take your dirty bleep boots off and before you come into the clinic. Um, clinics were very basic. Um, you know, your equipment, you became an expert sitting there at nighttime with your dental technician and your dental assistant trying to put your equipment together to fix it up because, you know, there was, there was nothing, no one else out there that was able to put together dental equipment. We'd just be on the phone to, to someone in Brisbane telling us this is what you need to do and the parts will be on the train um, and, and you can pick it up from the train station <laughs> when it arrives. That sounds like quite the experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it... it you know, as I said, it was a baptism of fire. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, and I'll most probably mention it later on, um, whilst I didn't have any mentors um, that I knew, you know, when I arrived, I formed a great bond with the local dentist in Wheeler. He mm. saved my bacon so many times. He was just a wonderful, wonderful colleague and became a very good friend of mine. Uh, and, and it is something that's very necessary when you're a brand new yeah, the value of mentors, I think, can't be underestimated mm. in every role, really, isn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think, as I said, um, it's something that most probably um, we're not uh, thinking of. We're reasonably confident people, um, but it's vastly different from the sanitised environment that you used to be working in at university. So, you know, certainly having uh, a mentor, um, preferably close nearby, uh, to help you just prove invaluable as a new as a new grad. So I'm guessing that's some advice you'd give a recent graduate starting their career then to find a mentor. Would there be any other advice you'd give them? Oh, look, I mean, I think, um, you know, mentors are, are critical. Um, and, you know, again, uh, you know, preferably you've got someone in your practice. And again, it's part of the, I guess, the, the, the selection process 
which goes both ways when you're applying for a job. You're, you're actually looking at the environment that, you know, basically you're being invited to join as much as they're looking at you as to whether you fit. Um, so, you know, the acceptance of the fact that, you know, your skills, um, you know, need, you know, quite a bit of work um, and, and be prepared to pace you, that's critical. Um, I, I think the second piece of advice I'd give is to just expect that your first two or three years is going to be hard. Yeah, absolutely. Steep learning I think, curve. I think you're, you're climbing a mountain um, and, you know, you've got the pressure of time, which is suddenly now imposed upon you. So, I mean, certainly when it comes to getting your career going, um, you know, you do have to expect that, you know, there's a, there's a postgraduate phase that you will go through. Um, and as I said, we're having a nice, a good working environment is critical. I guess the other point I'd make just to follow on from that, whilst they may not be the day-to-day mentor, going and personally meeting the local specialists, mm-hmm. if you've got the them local, but if not, do it over the phone. But you need to take the time to basically introduce yourself. You know, you will, you will have problems mm-hmm. um, and you will need to talk to someone to help you talk it through and to make an assessment whether you should be doing that case or whether it should be referred on. And again, if you've, you've made that personal connection, it's so much easier. It is. becomes seamless. And I guess the other thing I'd, I'd say is you've got to try and get your work and personal life balance right. Dentistry is a very demanding profession. It is. Very demanding. Um, and, you know, as much as we thrive on it, uh, it is draining. And so I think you do need to look at the impact of your work life on your family life and, and don't shortchange it. You know, certainly make sure you're not totally absorbed into dentistry, which is, is very easy to do. It's Such mm. good advice. Thank you, Ralph. Mm. So you had that quite, um, might well, sounds a bit wild, that first job. It oh. sounds like quite the experience. So what happened next? Where did you go to next then? After I finished my bond, I, I did what a lot of people did uh, at the, in the day. Um, I, I went over to the UK and worked in London. I sort of, you know, it was like a working holiday. Um, I, I, I worked in the, in the winter months and I travelled in the, in, the, in the summer months. So it was a good experience. Um, and, and again, again, it's, it's looking at how their systems operate. I mean, in those days, they were moving very well, more readily across to IV sedation. Mm. Which you know, you know, I, I did the nitrous oxide course, and that was very useful for me. But you know, IV sedation was coming in. Not that it really took my fancy, but again, you could see where dentistry was going in in the UK. Um, I met you know lots of um, you know good operators uh, in the practice I worked at, um, and you know certainly uh, dovetail that into travelling. So I had a, I had a ball to be quite honest. Um, came back to Australia. There's no better place than the southeast corner of Queensland, I think. Um, <laughs> and so I bought a practice um, and and worked in it until my wife and I um, basically said we'd like a sea change. You know, kids were coming along. We thought, oh, okay. So I sold up my practice. How brave was I? Um, and um, sort of as an interim step, sort of, oh look, I'll I'll try and get a go- job in the government, which I did at the Nambour Hospital. Um, and basically that was really where my career progressed from there. I, I stayed in the government almost uh, 40 years. That's amazing. So, yes, yeah, so I, um, 
I, I really thrived on the hospital dentistry, special needs side of things. Um, it, it's not for everybody. Um, and uh, I think it improved, you know, my skill set, um, you know, immeasurably. Um, and I just liked working uh, perhaps in that broader health environment and, and it suited me. And um, Yes, I mean, I, obviously I, I stayed there and, um, you know, dare I say if you stay long enough, you end up in management. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's spin-offs from that. One of which was my involvement with the dental board. Of course, because the first time we met, we were sat mm. across the table from one yeah, another. Yes. And um, I accompanied a member into the dental board. This member had made some quite uh, poor choices and was having to atone for that, I guess. Mm. And you were the person mm. helping that mm. member from the other perspective, although, of course, the role of the board mm. is to mm. protect the public. But mm. I think that the practitioner we were working with at that time recognised that they needed to make a change in dentistry. Mm, mm. Yeah. So mm. how did you end? So you ended up at the regulator, basically just flowed on from the government, or did you consciously say, okay. I'm going to yeah. go and work for the dental board? Well, how did that go? Well, I think, you know, people often ask me, oh, how do you get on the dental board? Um, <laughs> Um, I, 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 <laughs> the truth of it is, to my way of thinking, um, and, and certainly in my experience on the board, you know, you've got to have a body of experience, clinical experience, because largely you are there in the capacity as a clinician. Um, because, you know, the board's, um, you know, basic, um, uh, I guess, expectation is that we're assessing the treatment that's been provided to a patient. Um, the patient has obviously lodged the complaint. They're dissatisfied. Um, so our role is really to look at, you know, whether the, whether the, the treatment was appropriate first instance, you know, and has it been done to an acceptable standard and with the patient's safety in mind. It's, it's, it's you know, reasonably broad and can cover a lot of things. Um, so at the time, I was the deputy superintendent of the Brisbane Dental Hospital. So I was the senior clinician at the dental hospital. Um, so, you know, there was that aspect. Um, board selection is goes beyond that. It, it, they also look at your connection to the wider profession. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had been on many committees with the Australian Dental Association. Uh, and I was also at the time the president of the, um, called the Queensland Public Sector Dentists Association. And it was actually on the basis of my presidency that I was nominated to go on the board. And there's a government selection process. And um, at the time, There'd been a huge political change. You may recall the Bajonki Peterson era. That, that had just concluded and the Goss government was coming in. So they're not political appointments, but at the same time, um, you know, governments are, you know, certainly wanting to make changes. Um, and so the winds of change were that they wanted younger, younger dentists, considering me young, uh, but with a body of experience to actually be there for fresh thoughts. And we were very lucky. Uh, they'd appointed a new chairman and that happened to be the dean of the dental school, which was Professor Ken Atkins. Um, and, and he was very open to fresh ideas. So I was very lucky um, in, in that sense to be with, uh, I guess, you know, a group of um, members, I mean, old and young. And we moved on from the days where we were going out 
and measuring the size of the font of your <laughs> sign. I have heard um, about those years. And you know, advertising was taboo. You know, it, it was it was a it was a challenge for people to find dentists because they're usually down dimly lit corridors at the back of the building. So there there was a mega change that came most probably over the next ten years. I, I ended up being on the board for uh, at varying times. Sort of in and out, but most of it about 25 years. Yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, I only resigned in 2012 because I then assumed the role as the president of the Australian Dental Council, um, which is based in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So I left Queensland Health at that same time as well um, and filled a challenging role with the accreditor mm-hmm. uh, with the Australian Dental Council. So, you know, again, just coming back to your point, you know, what do you do? How do you get on? I mean, essentially, you do need to have a wealth of experience uh, at a senior level. Um, do you need to know a lot about legislation? No, but you'll learn it very fast. <laughs> you'll learn that on your feet. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, essentially um, I, I, I was, I think, well satisfied with um, my, my time uh, with the dental board. Uh, mega changes occurred over that 25-year period. I do remember very vividly uh, meeting you. Um, and uh, look, I mean, you know, it's it's not nice to be critical of, of a colleague's work. No. Um, and, and to be, you know, perfectly honest, we don't have many inquiries because most people, you know, get the assistance of a DPL consultant or, or some or like. Um, they, they are basically set, I think, um, on the right direction um, to basically... A, acknowledge that the patient, um, you know, is is upset, and B, perhaps there needs to be a change in their in their treatment. Yeah, it's um, mm. one of the most challenging parts of our role, as you know, because of course, when you step down from the dental board, mm. you came to work with us also yeah, as an, yeah. on the other side of the fence, so supporting the practitioner as opposed to the protection of the public aspect that goes with the mm. board. Mm. But it's you know, it is truly the worst day of someone's life. Yes, and I and I often, you know, people often say to me, um, you know, what was, what were some of the major challenges? Well, look, you know, there were some people that that came before us that, you know, I have to say, deservedly needed to yeah. be to be uh, basically challenged by the board, um, and you know, sadly, um, if they can't acknowledge it, that, that conditions had to be put on their practice, basically. But it's 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 not it doesn't happen that often. To be truthful, I mean, it doesn't happen. Um, more at, at the end of the day, um, you know, boards, um, you know, are not there to be anything other than fair to both the patient and and uh, and the the dentist that's involved. But uh, there is an expectation, um, and it's based on our clinical uh, knowledge um, of what's reasonable mm-hmm. uh, in dental practice. Um, that you know, action if necessary, um, sometimes has to be taken. Um, that may may be uncomfortable, um, but at the end of the day, it's to it's to actually encourage people to move or shift their 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 I guess their approach to dentistry sometimes, um, and and as I said, most probably not have to front up to the dental board because you're right. I think it is actually. Um, one of the worst experiences for any professional. Yeah, I think so. Sure. So, Ralph, 
You were recognised in 2015 in the honours list and you now have an order of Australia, which is absolutely amazing. I remember how proud we all were of you when we saw that announcement. It was such, yeah, it was so well deserved. And of course, I know that. I'm going to ask for the people who don't know, what led to that nomination for you? Well, I mean, as, as, it, as it goes, the nominee is not to be informed that they're going to be nominated. So in that sense, I, I was unaware that someone or a few people uh, were preparing the documentation. So it was like a big shock then? Very much as a shock. <laughs> um, it's, it's a, uh, I actually now sit in, in a capacity to have a role in assessments for the Order of Australia. But as I said, with my experience, um, I, I was unaware totally. Um, I received um, notification that I was being considered um, by the panel that assesses people for um, an order of Australia. Um, and it just simply said, would you please check the CV that's been submitted on, on your behalf? Um, so somehow or other, someone had got a pretty accurate CV of me. Um, and um, and and essentially uh, that was it. Um, I I was um, as I said um, surprised, honoured, um, to be quite truthful, overwhelmed um, because there are many in our profession that are deserving of this. Um, and so um, you know, obviously, some very flattering comments have been made by colleagues. I subsequently found out who was involved, and and obviously I, I was very um, very grateful for their for their I guess um, support uh, for um, the the honour I was given. Um, and look, I mean, really at the end of the day, as I said, I'm at pains to say there are many others in dentistry um, who who should be nominated. You know, obviously the selection process is pretty rigorous. Um, and as I said, it's not just to give due credit to your job because obviously they recognise my work on the Dental Board and mm -hmm. the Dental Council. Uh, one of the things I was proudest about was the fact that when it did come out in my award, it was for my work in Arche. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, um, you know, that that was, you know, a wonderful two months of Explain my life. Explain a bit more about that for the well, people listening. Yeah. Look, I mean, obviously people would recall in 2004 there was this terrible tsunami. Um, and hundreds of thousands of people were, were killed in Indonesia. And uh, I was invited to be part of a team, uh, basically part of an AusAid team, uh, to go over um, some nine months after the tsunami because they wanted to rebuild the hospital dental clinic over there. And given my position, um, you know, we'd just done a huge refurbishment of the dental hospital. They knew I'd most probably have the expertise to assist them in that regard. Um, so I took two months leave uh, from Queensland Health um, and went over to Arche, um, worked with the local um, uh, dentists over there. Obviously, needed an interpreter because, because few uh, spoke English. Um, I basically got um, the dental clinic to a stage where we could actually open it. You know, there were difficulties, you know, obviously there's a lot of politics between Arche and, you know, Jakarta, where the mm -hmm. government is, because mm -hmm. uh, Arche basically at the time was a 
quite a threatening place. There was there was a civil war going on, mm-hmm. and uh, people were being shot. Um, so you know, we obviously went in convoys. We had guards looking after us. You know, even though we were over there to help, help. them, mm-hmm. it, it it was a, a very, um, I guess, dicey uh, time. Uh, even with this calamity that had befallen them. So you know, we. We and I say there was a huge team. I was the only dentist, um, so you know, my role was pretty clear. There was doctors, nurses, you know, all manner of um, uh, other therapies over there as well. So uh, essentially, our role was to basically uh, re-establish uh, services, uh, which we did. Um, and I was also given the remit to actually uh, do the foundation work for a new dental course over there, which I was. Fortunate enough to be able to uh, utilise my uh, contacts at uh, UQ uh, to assist me just with you know curriculum issues and things yeah. like that. So you know, again, there was a lot of work done. It was very draining, um, but very satisfying. And so that I think was a, another part of mm. my um, award was that was acknowledged as well. Yeah, certainly unique. And did you get the outcome that you hoped for? You know, you got the, the facilities that you felt were needed as best with the funding yeah. and resourcing, I guess, and you've got the curriculum where you felt it needed to be? Yeah. Oh, look, I think <laughs> working in any sort of, and again, I'm not saying Indonesia's third world, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's 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 not an easy environment to be doing that scope of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as though you're over there to drill and fill, look after people, which, which I'm obviously... Uh, easily skilled to do that but you know actually working your way through the politics local politics yeah um trying to compete with you know other parts dare i say uh, of of the you know i guess compete for money um things like that to be able and dentistry is expensive even over there um so we we achieved a lot um has it been sustainable is always questionable um it's 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 a different world over there and mm-hmm. um you know i just give you one example um i managed to be on a plane that had the the pharmacist that was going over there to look at the pharmacy and you know he was desperate to get you know basic things like gloves and masks and he'd heard that um Maidan, which is nearby um had was actually had a warehouse full and they're going to throw it out because the world was generous everything flooded in mm-hmm. not a lot of it was used Mm-hmm. basically because you didn't have a hospital so mm-hmm. you didn't use this stuff and so they were going to burn it so anyway we managed to somehow or other get a couple of lorries to go there and pick it up and um it arrived and you know we thought we put it in a safe place and then it was stolen <laughs> oh, so no. we, we knew it was on the black market somewhere so <laughs> so you know like you know again it's it's just you know you try to circumnavigate all that the bartering side of things the theft that goes on but you know, it, it's it's not easy, um, but at least I do know that the, that the hospital clinics, step friends of mine still over there, um, is is operational. They don't wear um, dirty shoes into the clinic anymore. They don't smoke in the clinic anymore. You know, all these very basic yeah. things. Actually, wear masks and gloves sometimes. You know, like okay, that's a good outcome. No, it is. It is. And the uni course is up and running, which was a big coup, because no dentists were trained in Arche. yeah, and so we got the local university established and, and that's still operational. Well, that's fantastic. You should be really proud of that. Thank you. Ralph, 
we talked about advice for recent graduates. So you've hung up your drill and you've sold yeah. your practice and yeah. you've hung up your pencil and much to my amusement now, everybody's sniffing around trying to get you to sit on their, <laughs> on their boards and all those things because they all think you're a free man. Yes. But what advice would you give to a colleague looking to retire from clinical practice? Oh, look, I mean, I think these are such personal decisions. You really look at your, you know, again, you know, your, your situation in life and I guess, you know, more should be the focus on not so much the the practice but more your, your your family and where you're going with that so i mean you know everybody makes makes the decisions based on that but my, my personal view is that you know don't leave it too late in life i mean i was 70 um when <laughs> that's long enough to be honest um and 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 so in that sense you also got to have your exit plan i mean yeah. we we have we we have worked to minutes um of time you know, performing treatment on patients in practice. And so you just don't realise how highly geared you are. Uh, and so, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, just cut loose, sit back and, you know, basically just become a grey nomad. That doesn't, it didn't suit me. So you've got to have a project to go to. You've got to have hobbies. And I think that's the other thing. Something that you could, that, that will give you the satisfaction because dentists, Dentistry is extremely rewarding. And challenging too. So if you're not challenging yourself in Absolute, a way that's healthy for you. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much a Sudoku you can do, right? Oh, well, again, look, I mean, I went completely left field and started, you know, cattle breeding. It's like, geez, where'd that come from? Um, you know, it, you, you do need a personal challenge. Um, but it, it is, for me, um, you know, great. Um, I've got grandkids, you know, we've got a project. <laughs> um, my wife and I would travel at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, we've got a nice circle of friends. So you do have to have planned your exit strategy, but have that little challenge that's there that's, you know, just for you maybe. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you're, you're going to be sort of, you know, you, you'll be comfortable um, with, with retirement. Um, I think that's, I mean, dentistry has been incredible for me. Far exceeded my expectations of what I'd get out of dentistry and the things I did. Um, I was a humble student. Remember, there's only 28 of us that passed in, you know, in 1974. I think there were 100 started, and they they were very quick to fail you. Yeah. Um, and 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 I get and okay. I think you know dentistry has um, come up come along in leaps and bounds. Technology has changed dentistry massively. It has. But same rules apply. You do need to sit down and be very considerate of your patients. Um, and, and as I said, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, we have, I always say this, we have to accept that we automatically think dentistry and, and what you need. And, you know, we always think what the best for our patients, where it's not in many cases, the highest priority. Um, but I mean, I think you've always got to treat patients individually, um, you know, assess their situation. Um, and, and, and make sure you're making good judgments that are in the best interests of your patients. Uh, and as I said, we've just got a wonderful armamentarium these days. Mm. There's uh, still a person attached. Absolutely. And if, if, if I've got one parting word I'd, I'd be saying is that, um, you know, dentistry can, I'm going to say, get boring, but it's repetitive. <laughs> okay. Um, and so where's your interest level lie thereafter? It's actually talking to patients, getting into their heads, becoming part of their lives. Um, I know that it's a new world and people perhaps change um, dentists more regularly, but 
It's only when you actually retire or leave you suddenly realise what you mean to your patients. And yeah. so in that sense, as I said, um, that, that's, that's, that's just, you know, a, a wonderful, um, I think, thing to have when you leave practice. Yeah. Well, it's not just your patients that miss you, Ralph, I have to say. We miss <laughs> you terribly. <laughs> so, thank you very much indeed, Annalene. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Ralph, and thank you all for listening. We hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.